Hey, everybody, this is David with the Sales Development Podcast over here at TenBound. Very excited to announce TenBound.com. We've got the TenBound Sales Development Conferences coming up this year, obviously doing them virtually in March, June, and August, and then hopefully doing a live in-person event in October in San Francisco. Hopefully that happens. And in the meantime, definitely get over to tenbout.com, sign up. The virtual conferences are free and there'll be packed days with tracks on sales development leadership from some of the top leaders in the sales development world talking about how they're doing sales development today in such a strange environment that we're in and how they're being successful you know, year after year. We're going to be talking tactical tips. We're going to be talking about how to actually do the job in 2021, and we need you there. So jump over to tenbound.com, T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com, and register for free for the virtual events, and we'll see you coming up here in the spring. What's going on, everybody? James Bodden here, fired up to introduce episode 174 of the Sales Development Podcast, hosted by David Delaney, powered by Tenbound. And David has a true sales legend on the podcast today. Today's guest is the author of three monumentally important sales books Hashtag Sales Truth, New Sales Simplified and Sales Management Simplified. That's right, folks. Today's guest for episode 174 is none other than Mike Weinberg. Mike is known for providing blunt truth and practical help. He absolutely delivers both of those in this episode. You're going to want to listen to the entire episode, but I wanted to give you a few timestamps to look out for. But Mike starts the episode hot three minute to five minute mark, Mike is pulling no punches on his opinion of the vacuum that's created when you only listen to tech sales influencers. He debunks the myth that sales is wildly different today than it was 10 or even 20 years ago. And he gives us his insight on why sales teams don't fail because they don't have the shiny new sales tools. They're failing because they don't execute the basic fundamentals. David and Mike keep the conversation going around the 10 minute mark. Mike talks about how nobody likes prospecting, but the, the true successful sales pros take a deep ownership of filling the funnel. And he goes into ways that you can actually do that in a very tactical way. Around the 30 minute mark, Mike gives us the formula for being successful in sales. And to end the episode, Mike has a very direct message to salespeople and hint, it has to do with spending less time on social media, less time searching for silver bullets, and more time focusing on the fundamentals. This is a jam-packed episode full of value, which isn't a surprise given today's guest. So buckle up for a tactical and impactful episode of the Sales Development Podcast. And if you have any feedback on this episode, please feel free to leave us a review. Hit that like and subscribe button and head over to tenbound.com. Jump on the newsletter so you can stay updated on everything sales development. Enjoy the episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am joined by a legend if you don't know this person, then where have you been? <laughs> like a legend in our industry, Mr. Mike Weinberg, 
the author of multiple sales books, including the classic New Sales Simplified and his new book, Sales Truth, and a sought-out speaker, trainer, consultant, leader of conferences. Mike, what have I left off? I just appreciate the overinflated view, and I hope I hope that your listeners don't hold that inflated view that you have against me. So thanks for having <laughs> me, David. What a, what a treat to talk sales with you. Oh, man. I'm just honored to have you on the show. You know, like I said, new sales simplified, sales management simplified, sales truth. I mean, these are amazing resources. And you have a voice in our industry that it's almost like a voice in the wilderness, you know. And I think sales truth is, you know, your main, you know, calling card, really, because you you tell the truth about what you see in sales and, you know, from your angle. So, Mike, you know, our listeners are mainly in the tech industry. You know, tell us what you're seeing out there beyond the tech industry in the sales environment right now and, you know, how we could potentially improve. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's a heck of a first question, David. Let me, let me see if I can aggravate or offend almost all of your regular listeners as we get started. That'll, that'll really engage them for the rest of this. You know, it's, it's funny you, it. bring up, you bring up tech. And we were talking, right, in the pre-show about, about your audience because it's so interesting because so many of the prominent voices who are thought leaders today, particularly with followings on LinkedIn, are from the tech world. And they make a lot of big pronouncements about sales and how sales would be structured and even the whole model with, you know, where, where there's a separation from the, the SDRs, from the, the traditional AE. And then the, the basic destruction of the telephone as a valid sales tool, at least to most people in the tech world. And I hear all that and I get where it's coming from. And I am a fan of new tools and new media and more progressive ways of doing things. And my goodness, as a guy in my own business, I benefit a ton from building a following and a brand and, and deploying all kinds of, of strategies to, you know, to build my brand and to put out IP and, and get a following. Where it gets confusing to me is when people with loud voices who are at least self-proclaimed thought leaders make those blanket statements as if they apply to the whole world. Because there's a whole lot of salespeople, and I don't know what the exact percentage is, but I'm guessing it's, it's 90 to 95% of the sellers on planet Earth are not in technology. They sell dental supplies to dental offices or Mack trucks to people in, you know, in the shipping business or <laughs> the garbage hauling business, or it's John Deere construction equipment or printing, right? Or consulting services, or I mean, any of the other number of companies I've worked with. And most of the best practices, and this is going to be shocking to some people, most of the best practices being deployed by top producers today in the general sales population are exactly the same as they were 10 years ago, and dare I say, even 15 years ago. So in other words, things haven't changed as much as people in the tech world want to tell us they have changed. Does that make sense? Like the traditional fundamentals of new business development and prospecting and doing discovery and building a relationship and fleshing out objections and owning your calendar and managing a pipeline a lot of the people that are still crushing it around the world are still deploying the same disciplines and fundamentals that they were a long time ago. And that's something that isn't usually accepted as well when I say that in the tech world. Yeah, who wants to talk about that, right? That's, that's a <laughs> that's lot of hard work, Mike. It's not sexy. It's definitely not <laughs> sexy. And, and what's, so, so, so let's dive into that. I mean, what is behind that with the, is it essentially... I've created a new product, a sales product, and I want you to buy it. So I'm going to say, 
you know, you can throw out all the fundamentals and, and just plug this in and you're good to go. I mean, it, well, there, there are thousands of sales tool vendors who would, who would advocate that. Right. And this is what I'm going to say, and I'm not going to be popular for making this proclamation on this show, but I've never seen a sales team struggle or fail because they were lacking some newly invented tool, toy, or process. They fail because they don't execute the fundamentals. But, and I, I know this because my LinkedIn message box is filled with the spam and automated messages. And that's a whole other conversation, right? The whole connect and pitch and automated spam garbage that shows up in our email and our LinkedIn inboxes, which I think is destroying sales effectiveness. And that's a whole separate conversation. But you would think if you didn't have the coolest, latest, greatest, new, shiny toy, you're going to really struggle as a sales leader or a salesperson because of all the noise and, and the platforms built by people in the sales tool industry. So it's a source of constant frustration for me that salespeople live out on LinkedIn, either looking for the secret sauce or the magic bullet to you know, avoid having to pick up the telephone or do old school basic best practices. Or they read the nonsense that says everything has changed. Nothing that used to work still works. And that's quite the overstatement, if you want my opinion. Okay, so, so it seems like there's a convergence because there's been like this explosion of sales tools over the last few years, plus an explosion of content marketing, right? So everybody's pushing out expert you know, like posts and stuff like that. So you've got the sales tools plus the content marketing equals all this contrary advice. And so what you're coming along and saying is, you know, cutting through that noise and we need to focus back in on the fundamentals. Is that, is that essentially? Yeah. And you know, and this is where I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. So hear me out. Okay. I love content marketing. I think we should do content marketing. Comma, having said that, comma, there's a lot of BS being preached by people in the industry who want to tell you, and there was a person, and I'm not, I'm not even going to come close to naming the firm, but self-proclaimed gurus in the social selling space who built a firm around social selling training, which they've since rebranded because social selling died, which it should have, because it was nowhere near what it was promised to be, hashtag sales truth. But, but there was an, the chief sales officer at this firm posted something on LinkedIn saying Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner is the role model. Sales leaders, don't you see that Kylie Jenner got to a billion dollars in net worth through her social media following? She didn't cold call her way to a billion dollars. And then you get some other joker on another continent who's an inbound marketing reseller who talks about Gary V and, and Gary and his videos and you know wearing a ski cap in July and dropping a lot of F-bombs into your, into your video camera. He's your role model. So you should mimic Gary V and Kylie Jenner because they've perfected the social media marketing. And can't you see they're not cold calling? And I look at that and I, I chuckle. I'm like, so you're I holding up yeah. Kylie Jenner taking half-naked selfies or Gary V dropping F-bombs into some video because he's a cool dude? Like that's the model for the guy selling like aerospace, you know, my defense contractor should be using that methodology to get appointments with generals at the Pentagon or the typical, the typical SaaS, you know, software salesperson is going to get appointments with the CFO who's buying some type of expense control software by sending out by Instagram posts. I mean, that it's such a disingenuous promotion. So I love content marketing and we should put out IP and we should build our brand, but not every salesperson can write. And, and not every job, I don't think that Gary Vee and Kylie Jenner are the role models for what the professional B2B salesperson who's crushing it does. My coaching is, why don't you look at the very top people in your industry and what are they doing with their time? 
and what tools are they using and what content are they putting out and how are they picking up the good old fashioned telephone to deliver a little message to leave a voicemail combined with some other sequencing they're doing to get enough touches to earn a meeting with a prospect. Like, is that, is that a fair, you know, pushback, I guess I'd ask. hundred percent. So, and so it seems like there's, there's a couple of things. One is that prospecting is really hard and a lot of people you know, want to avoid it. And so they look at social media for a tip or a trick, or maybe I'll post a naked selfie and drop some F-bombs instead of doing the hard work of prospecting. Because it seems like in some of your writing that you've noticed that people have sort of punted on prospecting. Right, because nobody wants to do it. Even Jeb Blunt says this, and Jeb wrote Fanatical Prospecting, right? And we become good friends, and I was honored to write the forward to that book, and my book's always looking up at the sales rankings for Fanatical Prospecting. But Jeb even says this from the stage. He doesn't like prospecting. I don't like prospecting. I put myself against almost any human being head-to-head about trying to get meetings with target, target prospects. I don't do it because I like it. I don't teach it because I like it and I'm good at it. I teach it because it works. And if I took you even into SaaS companies and, and traditional software companies and, and a whole bunch of other high-tech places and showed you the top producing salespeople in those companies, and when I say sales, I mean full sales, both from opportunity creation to opportunity advancement and closing. All of those people at some level take a very deep ownership of filling the funnel and they never point the finger saying, oh, it's someone else's job. You know, it's the SDR's fault. It's the inbound marketing's fault. It's, I don't have good leads. Like they do what they need to do to create opportunities at the top of the funnel, including carving out time to pick up the old freaking telephone because they know that's part of the mix. So yeah, people, we all want the easy button. We all want to believe that if we hang out on LinkedIn for three hours a day, that we're, we're going to get people, as the challenger sale research indicates, when they're 57% through their buying process, they'll reach out to you. And then you'll follow their perfectly prescribed plan and you'll get business. Well, that's a hoax. The only time, and I'm just going to go there because I can't stand that statistic. And I knew it was wrong when I read it. I don't care how valid the supposed research was. And there's been better research since then that has debunked that myth. But the only time the buyer gets 57% through this, this buying process is when lazy reactive salespeople are sitting on their asses waiting for a lead and for someone to raise their hand or download their white paper. If you're a true sales hunter, you're out in front of the curve. You're proactive. You're prospecting. You're working a strategically defined finite list of ideal profile prospects. And you're contacting them because you can bring value because they have a problem for which you have a solution. And you're not waiting for them to get to some magical bogus 57% thing and then they're going to call you. So you're actually out creating demand. That's what real sales hunters do. 100%. And so you do see that finger pointing a lot in the, in the tech industry because most tech have their sales team broken out into the SDRs and the AEs. And the AEs are always, I, mean, I don't want to say always, but maybe I, I, <laughs> I hear it more than most people, but the AEs are always upset with the quality of the meetings and the SDRs aren't doing enough and you know, finger pointing back. What, what would your response be to that? For me, looking at it, it's like, for the love of God, there's somebody prospecting for you. Can't you help them? And Just say know? thank you and shut the heck up. <laughs> yes. I mean, first of all, I'm going to say two things. One is just a minor point. If you're being critical as an AE that the meetings you've been handled haven't been perfectly qualified and they're setting up a few too many meetings for you and some of them are a waste of time. If you dare whine about that, I'm going to smack you. Do you know how hard prospecting is? 
And do you know how little leverage you have when you're the one initiating contact that you think you could put someone through this really tight filter and ask a bazillion perfect qualifying questions? That is ridiculous. When you're in the heat of prospecting, if you're calling strategically targeted accounts, my opinion is get the freaking meeting. We'll qualify them when we do the discovery meeting. You're not, it's not like someone's getting on a plane and flying across the country and spending two days and a thousand dollars to have this meeting. It's, you're hopping on an online meeting for 20 minutes, like chill out. The worst thing that happens is you blew 20 minutes. Most salespeople, listen to me, everybody, and I'm not fooling around here. Most salespeople fail from lack of meetings, not from too many meetings. Show me the salesperson who's failing from too many meetings with unqualified prospects. Like that guy deserves an award. A thousand to one people are failing from not having enough meetings. So number one, let's not be so critical about strictly qualifying. But number two, I'm going to quote a top account executive at a firm that I worked with in San Jose a couple years ago. Okay, I'm in there, I'm leading a workshop and the meeting devolved into a bitch session about the, the lack of appointments and the quality of the appointments being set by the internal SDR team. And this one top producer was looking at me and I could see the smoke come out of his eyes. And we both just kind of let the whining go on for a few minutes and finally he pounded the table and he just said, everybody shut up. And he goes, let me tell you the reality. You should look at the appointments given to you by the SDR like you look at social security is going to be a portion of your retirement income. You better view that as the gravy. If you're counting on living on social security, you're a fool. And the same applies to the business that's being handed to you on a silver platter by the BDRs or the SDRs. Just say thank you and take what you can get. But if you're counting on making a living on that, you're an idiot. So you better incorporate some of your own prospecting into your repertoire. Because most salespeople, and I'll quote my friend Anthony Anarino, who I think is the smartest guy in our industry, and I've, I've written the forward to his books, and he's written a couple of mine, and I just think he's brilliant. I mean, and he says it so simply, most salespeople are opportunity starved. So it would behoove them to carve out a few hours on their own calendar to pick up the phone and, and send some notes and use some snail mail and do whatever is necessary to get the attention of some strategic prospects. Because if your company, through inbound marketing and through leads and through you, through social selling and referral asking and being handed stuff by the inside team, if what all those fun, easier ways of creating opportunities, if they're not filling your funnel to a sufficient level, you have no choice. You gotta do it yourself. Because failing's not an option, right? You gotta make your number, you gotta make a living. So you better darn carve out some time to create your own opportunities because nobody wants you to hear you whining and pointing fingers. Man, I mean, social selling doesn't work. So, referral, I don't have any more referrals and the SDR team, they suck. And yeah, so you don't have any business. So you're going to sit there and point your finger at everybody else. That doesn't sound like a salesperson to me. It's crazy. I mean, it's almost like this attitude of, you know, Frank Sinatra doesn't move the pianos, you know, I just come in and work my magic, right? So, so give me a Bant qualified lead with the CEO, you know, with plenty of <laughs> qualification. Give me a break. You yeah, know what I mean? Oh my gosh, David, can we just crazy. talk about Bant? Let's just talk about Bant for a minute, right? Okay. So okay. Bant, right? Budget, authority, need, and timing. I have, I'm going to give you another four letter word. And it's, it's, this, this is a, safe a children's word. show. No, okay, this is, this is PG. <laughs> Family show. Here's the four-letter word. If you have a prospect who's already BANT qualified, right, and they've got budget, authority, need, and timing, you know what you are? You're late, L-A-T-E. And you're now playing someone else's game or you're, the customer is going to lead you down their path. When, you're, when they're that qualified, you're screwed. 
that you're not the, you're not in the consultant's chair leading a prospect to a better future. <laughs> you're chasing. You're chasing an opportunity. Everybody else is chasing, and you're probably playing your more proactive competitors already in progress game because they weren't sitting on their ass waiting for the lead. They were working the account. And the only reason that person has all that band stuff going on is because they've been playing at this for a long time. And now they're going to commoditize you and they're going to treat you like a vendor and they're going to dictate your process and have you put little numbers in boxes and show up and do a dog and pony show. And when you push back and try to do discovery and meet more stakeholders and understand the landscape, they're going to tell you, no, 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 no. Just put your numbers in your boxes. We, we, we own this process. But when you're early, it's the opposite. When you prospect your way into an account before the shopping and you get real business people, not procurement weenies and not little low-end folks that are on a mission to like search out vendors, but you're talking to business people that have needs and problems and are trying to create a different outcome and you plant a seed with them and you do a real discovery meeting and with your provocative questions, you move them off center and you show them that they're, they're stuck in some suboptimal situation, then what position are you in? Because you were early because you were leading. You're in the consultant seat. I call this position A. You're driving process. You're laying traps for your competitors. You're befriending stakeholders and influencers. You're, I mean, there's data that says it's better to be first than to be best, right? So all of that is why I'm anti-bant. Does that okay. make sense? Like, am I over, yeah. do you think I'm overstating that? No, I'm with you 100%. You're moving from, you know, being late to the party to driving in that first position, like you said. Absolutely. It's life-changing because one of those is fun and you have freedom and you own the process and you're selling from an abundance mentality. And the other one, you're just a victim, you're a vendor, you're playing some procurement game and that's not fun. That's not sales to me. Ultimately, that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, the victim versus the proactive you know, hunter. Let me ask you this. So with the, that, I hear that from the AEs as far as, you know, blaming everybody for not setting up perfectly qualified meetings. But on the SDR side, what I hear is, David, I've tried everything. I mean, I've just, I've tried everything. Like they, they just kind of, they've been in the job for, you know, a few months and they're really struggling with the prospecting and they just kind of throw their hands up. They're like, I dude, I can't do this anymore, you know, type of thing. What would you say to that? I think there's a couple pieces of that puzzle. One is I would challenge them how well they're blending their touches and are they using the various medium, you know, to touch somebody? Because here's the thing, I don't know how else to say this nicely, so I'm just going to say it. And as someone who's on every list of thought leaders or whatever, influencers, I get targeted by a lot of companies Yeah, and I get a a LinkedIn box and an email box full of automated, non-contextualized, often off-target messages. Okay. Do you know how often those SDRs who are pursuing me from those tool companies actually call me? Do you know that I get like 5,000 emails for every one phone call I get? So my question, first of all, to the SDRs that are throwing their hands up in the air is, are you, are you really using the phone as a part of your weapon or are you call reluctant? And do you hide behind everything else? And are you doing the connect and pitch on LinkedIn and spamming people on email and sending the fourth and fifth message? Hey, I, you must be busy. You didn't respond to my last message, you know, but yet not adding any value in those messages. And you don't have the guts to pick up the phone and leave a message. And the part of the problem is in prospecting is people don't understand. You win an appointment very often with perseverance and creativity. In essence, you're wearing down the prospect by showing them you're so committed to getting that conversation that you keep touching them 
but you're not just touching base, reaching out, following up. You're, you're dripping little value nuggets about why they look a lot like your best clients. And I'm calling you because we're solving issue A and helping prospects overcome challenge B and experience result C. And from my research, it looks like you look a whole lot like people. We brought a ton of value. Let's visit for a few minutes. And, and you leave a sequence of messages that get at the outcomes that you create for your customers. And there's something real and human when you blend in real voice and real voicemails. And I don't see people leaving enough messages. And I, I, hear, I hear SDRs whining, I get voicemail, I get voicemail all the time, no one calls me back. No one calls you back because you leave a thousand people one message. And as Art Subject, who wrote the incredible book, Smart Calling, and I think the world of art, as he says, one and done is a failure. And the way I say it is, unless you call somebody the day the thing you sell broke at their place, right? Or their boss said, then, hey, we need a new XYZ. Go find us an XYZ. And you call that day and leave a voicemail. You're getting a call back. But other than that, I mean, this happens to me. The few people that do call me, and because I, I said, I get thousands of emails for every phone call I get. But if you call me three times over a reasonably short period of time and you leave me three value-creating messages and you sound like a human, not a robocaller, I'm calling you back. Because I'm saying you care enough to pursue me. I probably have the issue you're selling a solution for. Thanks for making the effort. I'm going to give you a shot. But if you don't call me multiple times and show that you care, I have no use for you. you, Are you with me on that? So I don't know if that's some coaching some, some of the SDRs maybe need to hear. But are you really using the phone? Are you really committed to it? Is your messaging other centered? Or are you just kind of doing the touch base reach out thing? Right. And, and are you touching people enough, particularly with voicemail, along with other, other medium you're using from snail mail to email to videos to all the things you should be doing? But are you using your voice enough so they can hear that you're a human who cares because people call humans back? And I'm, I'm curious for your take on what I'm advocating here. Just like you, I get a lot of LinkedIn messages and emails, but a lot of people call and hang up. And I think a lot of it is automated calls, but I really am a big advocate of leaving a crafted, you know, voicemail. And I like your point about, you know, if you leave three or four, that would tell me, okay, this is an actual person. It's not an automated thing, just hanging up, right? Absolutely. But I'm in the minority preaching this. So I'm going to tell you that. It's, there's people who want to preach the automation and, and I get the effectiveness of, of a good system. And I, there are some vendors in that space I really respect who are making sales more efficient, but their voicemail is powerful. And those of us who prospect a lot, and I coach a lot of people who prospect a lot now, you get very used to this response from a prospect where you think you're being a total pain in the ass and you've left them seven different messages and touched them every <laughs> different way over the last month or two. And they finally call you back. And while 5% of the people tell you to go to hell, take me off the list, don't ever bother me again, 90% of the people, that return call sounds something like this, Mike, thank you so much for your persistence. And then they say this, which makes you fall out of your chair. I am so sorry it took me this long to get back to you. And then you kind of look at yourself like with this bizarre feeling, you're like, wait a second, I've left you 19 messages, I've been a royal pain in your ass, and you're calling me to thank me and apologize? And then who's got the leverage? And then all, and all so you say true. back at that point is, you know, Mr. Prospect, thanks for responding. The reason I was so persistent is because you look so much like other XYZ type of companies where we've really brought tremendous value and solved those issues I keep leaving on your voicemail. 
let's set something up and chat for 20 minutes. I, I think we can bring you some value. I want to understand more about your situation. And at that point, you're getting the meeting because you earned it. And that's the part no one wants to hear from me. And whether it's in the Valley or it's in the, in the middle of Milwaukee, right? And whether you're selling SaaS or you're selling truck parts, a lot of sales is persistence and it's showing up. I've got a client and I'm not going to name them to protect them, but they're incredible and they sell supplies. And it's, I mean, it's the most commoditized thing, but yet they sell at a super high price and they provide heroic service to their clients. And they have a simple rule. They prospect in person, even during COVID. And that has its challenges because they, it's, it's a blue collar type sales job to blue collar customers. And their rule is you're going to go to that same location 10 weeks in a row. Because what happens, you show up the first week and no one even says hello to you. And you show up the second week and they're like, hey, you look familiar. Yeah, we're good. We don't, we don't need you. And you show up the third week and they're like, what are you doing here again? You're like, oh, man, you just, you know, you look like people we help. And here's some of the challenges we help our customers solve. And they go, oh, okay, that's great. Thanks for coming by. Nothing. And you come back the fourth week and all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, the SEC, you know, college football lineup. And then you show up the fifth week. And it's like, you, you're serious, huh? Yeah. I mean, hey, why don't you quote this one thing for me? And in the sixth week, they're like, hey, we, we could do some more of this. And by week eight, they're friends and they're getting orders. And I know that's, that's a very different kind of sale than most of your listeners do. And I'm not even trying to make the analogy, but at least understand the principle that it's the persistence and that I'm not calling the phone book. Like we're not calling a million people here. We're calling a handful of strategically selected target prospect accounts, which is why I say, let's not strictly qualify them. Let's, let's engage them and then let's get the meeting because good things happen when you get in a discovery meeting and they remember you a lot more. And even if you're not a fit right now to help them, you've planted a lot of seeds that, that will take root later that would not necessarily have been planted or, or remained you know, in fertile ground if you just stopped when you were prospecting because you overqualified them. So that, that was a mouthful, but that's what I see working, persistence, creativity. I mean, that, that attitude is so much different than what I run into every day in the tech field. So much sales truth there, hashtag sales truth. Mike, let me ask you, you know, if someone's tried this and they just naturally don't have the perseverance, positivity, the creativity, and it's just a slog every day, are salespeople born or can you learn that stuff, that inner intrinsic motivation to be successful? Or should you just get out and, and go get a different job? It's a very hard question. I get asked this a lot. And the answer is yes. A lot of them are born. A lot of them are made. It's really hard to create drive and independence. I mean, if you're someone who's wired for ROI and you're really competitive and you play to win and you're not conflict diverse, that's a lot of the pieces of the puzzle for succeeding in sales. And if you marry that drive and discipline and ROI meter and com competition, if you marry that with some EQ, right, emotional intelligence, and particularly selling during COVID, empathy, it's always important in sales, but it's never been more important because your customer is upside down and they've got a new set of fears and challenges and you better be able to put yourself on their shoes and see through their lens so you don't come across as so selfish, but you're others focused and you care about them. If you can marry the drive and the others focus, you can succeed in sales. If you don't have either of those, I think all the training in the world is not going to produce much. But the reality is, you know, we, I speak and I write in extremes, David, but most people are somewhere in the middle and they've got enough drive and enough EQ that if they would have the discipline to carve out a few more hours in their calendar a week to do the hard stuff, 
and they might read a book or two, aka New Sales Simplified, because it's of the simplicity, and adopt a few simple techniques of, for messaging and prospecting and pushing past resistance or doing better discovery. And honestly, there's not much more else to sales than that. Everyone wants to make it so complicated, but if you can really nail down your messaging and your prospecting and your discovery meetings, the only thing left on top of that is calendar management and discipline. You can solve a lot of sales problems. So that was the really circuitous answer to a simple question that says, <laughs> you, you can up your sales game and you can do better. But if you don't have the drive and you hate conflict and you live to please people and you don't like pushing past resistance, you're going to have a hard time, at least in the hunting part of sales. You, you might be a great account manager because of the service component. But if you're supposed to create opportunities, which in my opinion, there's only three sales verbs that matter. I say this to anyone who will listen. There are three sales verbs, create, advance, close. And if you're conflict diverse and you're just so nice and so relational, and yes, you can be too relational to succeed in a hunting role and you're not good from a comfort perspective at creating, advancing, and closing, you got a problem. And I would advise you to find a different job. Yes, I see what you're saying because you know there's there's always those rock stars. There's like the Michael Jordan. I'm I'm aging myself, but there's probably somebody else that's a better analogy. But there's going to be those ultra A players. I can see them in my head from my past. You know, they walk in with the three piece suit and perfect haircut at the sales meeting. They sit right next to the CEO. There's always going to be that. But then there's this huge group in the middle that can, by implementing these disciplines, can move incrementally toward that goal and then if you're really far over to the left it's like hey i mean life's short right i mean you know there's plenty of jobs that are more right but let me let me encourage let me encourage audience with this and i i have an entire chapter on this in my book sales truth i profiled two of the very best salespeople on this planet and what's cool is neither are my clients like i take zero credit here the i didn't teach these people a thing okay they mentor me but I wrote about them and they're completely different personalities in completely different businesses. And I profiled both of them. And the, at the, at the punchline at the end of the chapter was, if you looked at both Ron and Tom, the two guys I described in completely different businesses and completely different personalities, what I said at the end of the chapter was, if you look at all the things I described about them and what they do, they're not freaks of nature, right? They don't have secret sauce. There are no tricks. They work really stinking hard. They really know their business. They really prepare backstage. So when they're front stage with a client or a prospect, they're on their A game. And they do tons of work behind the scenes and at night and they're prepared and they care and they're competitive. And the message I was trying to get across in Sales Truth and particularly in this chapter to the average performing salesperson was, there's nothing that Ron and Tom do that you can't emulate. Preparation, reading, work ethic, right? Practice, yes. raising your standards. Like, come on, people. That's like that's like half the battle. Like, you know, you, you brought up Michael Jordan, who obviously God gifted with incredible skills and a body and leaping ability and touch and massive hands and all those things. But what else did Michael Jordan do? And we all watched that special like six months ago, right? When the on the whole thing, he worked his ass off. Yeah. And he challenges teammates to raise their game and he was tough on everybody. So don't forget that when you see the superstar, like don't assume that they, they took shortcuts and they're like, daddy gave them the job and that, you know, they're so gifted. They grew up in the right house. Like maybe, 
<laughs> but I'm telling you, and I would challenge people, it's, it's chapter 15 in Sales Truth, the two best salespeople I've ever seen. Look at what they do. We can copy, we can copy that. It's not, it's not natural gifting in that case. And those people, they're, I mean, they're gifted people, but they just work real hard and they, and they know their business. So that's my encouragement. You can do this stuff. But you got, I'm going to say this because I know we're getting near the end. You got to get off LinkedIn and you got to stop this addiction looking for the shortcut or like the trick, like, oh, if I just had this new tool, yeah. And if I just tried this new fad diet, I'd get in shape. Like, no, no, we know why I'm overweight, right? <laughs> like I need to be 20 pounds lighter and it's not a secret why. It's the same thing in sales. You want more opportunities, do the stuff that creates opportunities. Like it's not that complicated. So stop searching for the secret answer. You don't need it. You may not even need another sales book. What you need to do is master the couple fundamentals and then execute. 100%. And so Mike, are there particular gurus that you see out there? Like, who are these people? Where are they coming from? Are they from the tool industry? Are they trying to sell something? What, what is behind this advice? Are they basically, is it the modern equivalent of infomercial? Where yeah. if, you, if you order this right now, then you'll have six-pack abs without having to do any exercise type of thing. Is that, is that what's going on here? Yeah, because listen, I'm going to be brutal. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm just going to go there, okay? It's okay. The barrier to entry to be a thought leader or to build a following in the sales improvement industry today is zero. If you have an internet connection and a LinkedIn profile, you can be a self-proclaimed thought leader. And I'm just going to say this. There's a person from your part of the world who calls himself the founder of social selling. This was on his LinkedIn profile forever. And he, this person bragged that he, this was the pioneer. I created social selling and, and you need this. And this person had like seven jobs in the last seven years and is regularly online looking for another job. And I'm like, if you're so proud that you invented this thing that's the cure-all for everyone in sales, why can't you keep a job? Like, it doesn't right make any sense there. to me. And yeah. the woman who is a wonderful person who named her firm hashtag social selling, who rode the wave because it was popular at the time, do you think she's in the social selling business anymore? No. So I'm saying this to everyone. Understand? It's a fad. Every, every, every year or two, there's a new thing. It's ABM. It's ABS. It was social selling. It'll be a new thing, right? Now we're going to be talking about AI cadences. Like, and trust me, every few years, there's a new fad. And all the people in my industry that don't have enough business jump on the bandwagon so they look cool and maybe we'll get some business. But those Got of it. us that okay. understand sales, we're sitting back going, what, what are you doing? Like, I'm laughing at the social selling thing. All these people that twisted themselves in knots to tell us that social selling was the thing. They've all rebranded now that we killed social selling because it didn't prove to be the panacea that they all proclaimed it was. So you guys can hear my anger in my voice. It's because there's people in my industry taking advantage of struggling salespeople who are gullible and they're looking for the easy fix. And I'm like, there is no easy fix. Yeah, we have new tools and you should use them. And they're a great supplement to all the traditional stuff. But anyone who tells you that prospecting is dead is probably a, a HubSpot reseller. And I freaking love HubSpot. They've been so generous to me. But you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. HubSpot, the gorilla of inbound marketing. Do you know what book they give their salespeople to read? Their outbound sales team. And yes, HubSpot has outbound salespeople. And you know what book they use? New Sales Simplified. And do you know how I know that? Because when I went to visit them in Cambridge, Massachusetts, their executive, who I become friends with, led me around the room and said, hey, then this is the room. And look at all these people that have your book. And I'm sitting there in the office of the king of inbound marketing, who I love, and the people there are brilliant, and their tool is brilliant. But HubSpot never preaches what the resellers preach. The jokers who resell it, who are desperate to find business, they're the ones telling you the phone doesn't work, outbound doesn't work. 
You know what I'm saying? HubSpot yes. is at least honest about it. They blend all inbound, That's outbound, amazing. allbound. So, so I'm just saying, be careful when the idiot in Australia who tells you that you're stupid for picking up the phone because he, he's prospecting and you should get a tribe to follow you. When he says that and you believe, I'm like, be careful. Be careful yeah. because I'm not sure that guy ever sold anything in his life. And the company that he's reselling for actually deploys outbound salespeople. You, are you, like you could hear my intensity in my voice because let me tell you something, David, I don't need the business. I got people lined up to work with me like airplanes landing at LAX. Like I can't keep up with the demand. Like I'm not looking for work. I don't have an agenda. I just want to sell, see salespeople and sales teams win more new sales. And the way you win more new sales is you master the basics. And I would just tell salespeople, you would do better to spend less time on LinkedIn looking for answers and more time working a target account list and working on your basic skills and sharpening your story and getting better at getting meetings and conducting consultative meetings. And maybe put off your demo a little while. Stop demoing first and actually learn how to do discovery. And you'd be amazed what happens to your results. I mean, I can't say any better than I just said that. Like, it's not that complicated and you should stop looking for the shortcut. I just, I, I can imagine you in one of those old school sweatsuits with a whistle and a crew cut, you know, say, drop it, give me 20, you know, because <laughs> that's essentially, you don't need all the fancy equipment. I mean, it's nice, but you don't need all the fancy equipment. You need to eat healthy, you know, run, exercise, do push-ups, like all that stuff. That's how you get in shape, right? It's the <laughs> same thing. Oh, I, amen. <laughs> amen. I'm, I'm going to share this episode with everyone who will listen to what we talked about here. This is, this is what works it. in sales. Yeah. And, and, it is. and I'm sorry, it's not, it's not fun and it's not even that popular, it's, but it's the stuff that works. Yeah. I mean, if you want the rewards of it and you're going for the, I mean, everybody gets into sales because they want to get on and off of the airplanes wearing nice suits and fancy haircuts and stuff like they want the end result trophy. But, but like you said, when you analyze the top performers, what you don't see is the hours and hours of preparation and the hard work and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. It, no one sees, and that's why I wrote that chapter. It's chapter 15 in sales truth. I mean, you guys, honestly, like if you don't, you got to drop everything. New sales simplified, sales management simplified, hashtag sales truth. Go get the three pack. Do you sell them directly on your site or, or is Amazon? No, I don't, I'm not a book retailer. Go, go to your favorite book retailer, or Amazon. But I am going to give you this. Let me, I'm going to give you a link. You can, you can stick it in, in your show notes okay. to that chapter in Sales Truth because I, I just want people to have it, whether they can afford to buy the book or they want to buy the book. I just want you to read what these top two producers do. And it'll encourage you that you can do that. Like there's no magic tricks here. You can do it. Mike, I just, this has been amazing. I, I definitely got, I mean, I feel like we're just starting to scratch the surface, so we'll get you back on, but thank you for coming, sharing your wisdom on the sales development podcast and, you know, definitely look forward to everything that you do. We're following you. Not going to be on LinkedIn too much, but just enough to see what's going on. And, and also your newsletter, you guys, if you don't, if you're not on Mike's newsletter, you got to jump on that as well. Well, you're really kind, David. Thanks for the conversation. You got me riled up today. So <laughs> applause right. to you for like pushing my buttons. I wish your audience tons of success. And as we head into 2021, here's to lots of new sales. Here's to lots and lots of new sales success. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible.
If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.